This is Sam Anderson, lead pastor at Central Church. Thank you for listening to the Central Church Podcast. Make sure you rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes. And to keep up with everything happening in our faith community, visit centralchurch.cc. All right, so we are continuing our series that we're calling Stop Going to Church. And today is the third installment of this series. I think we have two more after this. And it's a bit of a tongue-in-cheek series with the title. The title's a little bit of clickbait. Um, It says, stop going to church, but really, the idea is stop going to church, rather be the church. Don't make church something that you go to, make make church something that you are. And so week one, we talked about how it's not a building, it's a body. The church is not the brick and mortar, the four walls that you're inside of right now. The church is you, and it's me, and it's us. That's the church. And so that was kind of the, the, the foundation for this series moving forward. And then Rich spoke last week about not being a fan, but being a follower. That Jesus doesn't want fans, he wants followers. And oftentimes we can slide into this, this space where we're just a fan of Jesus. We know about the Bible, we know about God, we know about church things and all of that, but it doesn't really impact our hearts and change our lives. And so uh, Rich forwarded the idea last week of not a fan, but a follower. And then today, we're going to talk through this idea, keeping with the cadence of the series, not a burden, but a blessing. Not a burden, but a blessing. And so sometimes when I come in here on Sunday mornings, um, I shared this with our first service. So we have a service at 9.15 as well as the 11.15 one. And this morning, man, it was popping. I don't know if people had like uh, Mother's Day events to get to this afternoon, but first service was popping in here, man. They were, they were on. They were ready to go. And so I shared this morning that I feel like sometimes my Sunday messages start off as sort of group therapy for myself, right? It's like a, a group counseling session. It's an opportunity for me to share some of my PTSD from being raised in church, right? And so I share some of these things, so I hope you'll bear with me, but I believe that it really does set the stage for what we're talking about today. Now, I grew up in a, um, you know, hyper-charismatic Pentecostal church, and we did these things, I don't know, this morning I think they suggested they were around Halloween time. They did these, like, plays that, like, scared you really bad, right? Do you guys know what I'm talking about? They were called, like, Hell House plays or something to that effect. Do they do those on Good Friday, or do they do those, is that around Easter, or is that around Halloween? Do you guys know? It's Halloween? It was Halloween. And do we know what they were actually called? Do you guys remember? Ooh, Heaven's Gates, Hell's Flames. Yes. Yes, that sounds uh, way more religious than, than Hell House plays. Um, yeah, Heaven's Gates, Hell's Flames. And so essentially what these were is, um, you know, sweet church people would get dressed up like demons and everything else. And they, <laughs> there would be like a car crash to start this thing. And then you'd be standing at the pearly whites and... Peter would be like, oh, are you entering or not? And they go through the life and the decisions. And then ultimately, I think at some point, everyone ends up in hell. And you're just like scared to death by this thing, right? And then at the end, the pastor's like, if you died tonight, where would you spend eternity? And you're like, oh my God, I don't know. Oh, I think I'm good, but I don't know if I'm good because I could be those people. Yes, no, am I the only one suffering from this? No? How many of you guys have seen one of those or been to one of those or... Okay, yes, beautiful, wonderful. It's, it, those things literally scared the hell out of me. And I don't mean that in slang. I mean in the most literal sense of the word. 
it scared me to where I wanted no hell having to do anything with this, right? It was terrifying for me. I literally, um, I saw one of those, I was talking to Dustin between services. I think I must have been like eight, eight, eight years old, nine years old when I first saw one of those. And from that point forward, I'm not kidding, every night I would pray the sinner's prayer. Every night. I was under this idea that I needed to pray, God, please forgive me of all my sins, even the ones I don't know that I did, because I'm sure I did something. Please, I do not want to go to hell like that place that I was going to, right? Like, and it was like a thing in my life. And then as I grew, you know, youth group and big church, I found that there was sort of a, like, a way that the church sort of maneuvered things and the way that the church sort of used this, like, guilt and shame to motivate, and guilt and shame to inspire me to follow Jesus. It was the craziest thing. Like at offering time, it was insane. They would do everything short of playing that Sarah McLachlan song. You know the one that's on the dog commercials? Do you know what I'm talking about? And the dog commercial comes on, the three-legged dog, and Sarah McLachlan's playing, and you're like, I need to save all the dogs in the whole world. You know what I'm talking about? It seems like churches would do everything short of that to manipulate you and play on your emotions and play on your, you know, spirituality to get you to give as much money as possible, right? And they would package it in a way where they would just give us more and more and more and more money. And so this, like, manipulation thing was taking place. And if you missed, like, an event or you missed a service or you couldn't participate or you couldn't give as much as they wanted you to give, you were made to feel like a failure, like you weren't as Christian as you should be and you weren't saved enough and you weren't good enough and all this stuff. And then I noticed as well through the whole thing, there was this like hierarchy of power in churches, right? You had like the pastor who's like the king and then everyone else is like the minions. You got the deacons and the elders and stuff. They're sort of like knights in service to the king, but everybody else is like, you know, the, the peasants out there. And, but it's disguised, this, this royal hierarchy of manipulation and shame and guilt is disguised as a culture of honor. And it's disguised as a culture of loyalty and respect and biblical honor. And it's, just, it's a bunch of garbage, man. And so I was raised like that. So the, what, what it did for me is there was a passion and a drive to follow Jesus for me. I never went through this like rebellious stage where I was doing the things that they were doing in those plays, right? You ever notice in those like teenage human videos you guys know what a human video is? It's where they're like acting out scenes, but there's music playing, and there's no talking, but it's kind of like a play, and there's like all these kids, and they were the demons, and they would always go like this. You guys know what Like evidently this is what they do in hell, because this is what the demons were doing in all the plays, right? You know what I'm talking about? And then, and then the one kid comes out in the white t-shirt, and he's like, and then the music, the key changes, and all, yes, Lord! You think like Jesus is coming back right then and there, right? You get emotional, and you're like... This is touching my life, my heart, this is amazing, right? You know what I'm talking about? And so I wasn't necessarily, didn't go through the phase, because I noticed in those plays, the kids are always like looking at porn and drinking beer and smoking cigarettes all at the same time. Like this is what teenagers do, evidently, who don't go to church. And um, I, I never went through a phase of doing that. I love Jesus, I followed Jesus, I went to youth group, I went to church my whole life. But if I'm being honest, it was motivated by the wrong things. Me following Jesus was motivated by the wrong things. The outcome was the same. I followed Jesus, but my perspective, my headspace, my heart space was in the wrong spot. I didn't, I didn't necessarily want to be good. 
right? My desire wasn't to have relationship with Jesus. My desire wasn't uh, to be the most loving person on the planet. My, that, those weren't my desires. That wasn't my driving force. My driving force was more that I was scared to death of being bad. It's not that I wanted to be good. I was just scared to be bad. Because there was guilt and shame and manipulation that shaped my fellowship of Jesus. And so here's what this did on like a subconscious level for me. This made religion and fellowship of Jesus much more of a burden than a blessing. It made it so much more of a burden than a blessing because it wasn't about growing my relationship with Jesus. It was about not messing up. It wasn't about growing in love. It was about, ooh, I can't step outside the lines. I can't do this thing or that thing or the other. And so the motivation behind all of it made it this heavy weight that I had to carry around. Did it look the same from the outside? Yeah, it did. I looked like everybody else. I loved Jesus. I, went, I wore the t-shirts, the, the, you know, the uh, <laughs> Coca-Cola ones that say Jesus Christ, right? Yeah, can I get an amen? Okay, I see some heads shaking. Like, yes, I know exactly what you're talking about. Wore the t-shirts, went to the youth group, went to the conferences and all that. From all external positions, it looked like I was just this great Christ follower. But the reality is, it was a burden for me. Because my motivation was twisted. My approach was twisted. I didn't look forward to Christian fellowship and worship. I felt obligated and pressured. And the reality is, that's not Jesus. That's not Jesus. If that's your perspective... That's not Jesus. You may have felt some of the same things as you were coming up, right? Maybe it wasn't the, um, you know, hyper-charismatic Pentecostal deal like myself. Maybe for you it was like a free will Baptist sort of uh, framework or Southern Baptist or Catholic or Lutheran or Assemblies of God or uh, Foursquare or Methodist or Episcopalian or whatever the case may be. Whatever lane that you sort of drove in. But the reality is, here's the deal. If you were feeling any sort of way like the way I just described, if you were feeling any of these sorts of emotions and feelings about your relationship with Jesus, about God, about religion, about relationship, all of that, listen, that comes from people's interpretation and presentation of the gospel. That's not the gospel, okay? That comes through people's interpretation and presentation of the message of Jesus. That's not the message of Jesus. He doesn't operate in fear and guilt and shame and manipulation. That's not the message of Jesus. And that's huge for us to understand. It comes from experiences with people and churches and pastors and religious organizations. That's where those feelings came from, not from Jesus. And so I want you to understand that because Jesus is pretty consistent and clear on what it looks like to follow him. And so let's pray together, and then we'll unpack this for just a few minutes together, okay? Let's pray. God, I thank you so much for this morning. I thank you so much for the freedom and the liberty we have to open your word and allow it to speak truth to us. God, today has the potential to bring so much rest and liberation and freedom into our lives. And so today, God, I pray that we would open ourselves up to you. I pray that you would soften our hearts, you would open our minds, you'd allow us to lay the baggage of our life at the foot of the cross, that we would be receptive to what you want to fill us up with today, that we would leave this morning empowered, leave this morning encouraged, challenged, and changed. God, we love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, everybody said?
Amen. So if you want to turn in your Bible to Matthew, the book of Matthew, chapter 11, I'm going to start in verse 28. If you don't have your Bible, you can look on your phone, your tablet, or it'll be on the screen up there behind me. But this is Jesus talking, okay? This is Jesus talking. And he says this, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. The context of this, what Jesus is talking about, this is in direct opposition to the law and the prophets and the religious institutions and the organized religion and the current religious climate who were saying, you got to be this, you got to look like this, you got to think like this, you got to do like this, you got to vote like this, you got to blah, 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 giving them all these different things, all these different requirements and measurements to, to, to rise up to and to live up to. Oh, you have to give this much in tithes and offering, you have to serve this much at the church, you have to, you know, dedicate this, that, and the other. And Jesus says, hey, 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 guys, guys. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened. You think this relationship with God thing is heavy? Are you tired of trying to make it happen? He says, come to me, and I'll give you rest. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. You know what a yoke is? It's like this wooden thing that connects two oxen so that they can carry and share the load together. When they're plowing a field that made it easier, it's like, you know, horsepower in cars, two horsepower, three horsepower, four. It's the same kind of thing, and this is wooden piece that connects these animals to share the burden, share the load. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, because my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Guys, this is huge. I was talking to somebody between services and I said, you know, what's crazy about it is that we oftentimes don't even realize how tired our soul is until we experience rest. And then when we experience that rest, we experience that liberation, that freedom that's found in Jesus, we think, whoa, you mean it can be like this? Because it's been that other way forever, the whole time. And then we experience it, and it's mind blowing. Jesus says, following him for us, what does that produce? It produces rest. Rest for the soul. It's easy. It's light. Right? And then he says this, from God, what do we get in return in this exchange? What is God offering to us? He says, learn from me. I'm gentle and humble in heart. It's easy. It's light. There is nothing in this about fear and guilt and shame and manipulation and hierarchy and controlling. That is not it. That is not the message of Jesus. Your relationship with Jesus should be a blessing, not a burden, not a weight that you're carrying around your neck all the time full of obligation, guilt, and shame. That's not the way that this thing is designed to work. First John chapter 5, verse 3 echoes the words of Jesus, reiterates the words of Jesus. He says, this is love for God, to obey his commands. And some of us stop right there and we say, boom, there it is. See, there's all kinds of stuff you got to be doing. There's all kinds of commands that you got to fulfill. It's a lot of work. you got to hustle. you got to stay with it. And his commands are not burdensome. Oh. You mean 
oh, okay. Loving God and following Jesus and his commands is important. But when you're doing it the right way, it's not burdensome. If you're doing it for the right reasons, it's not burdensome. Again, following, if following Jesus is a burden more than a blessing, I would suggest that you're doing it wrong. If following Jesus is more of a burden than a blessing, I would suggest that you're doing it wrong. And so then you have to ask yourself the question. That begs the question, okay, well, what is it that drives your relationship with Jesus? What is it that drives your relationship? For so long, before I went through a deconstruction process, the thing that was driving my relationship with Jesus on a subconscious level, it's not like I thought about this stuff and thought, okay, fear, guilt, shame, manipulation, that's what's causing me to be a good Christian. I didn't think in those terms and say those things, but when I was actually paused, stepped back, and looked at why I do what I do and why I'm in a relationship with God the way I'm in a relationship with God, it, it was illuminating and it was like, I was speechless. I couldn't even believe it. That these were the things that were shaping my relationship with God, and that's why I felt the way I did about going to church. That's the way I felt, the, the way, the reason I felt the way I did about reading the Bible. That's why I felt the way that I did about singing worship songs. That's the way I felt the way that I did about a relationship with Jesus. It was heavy. It was drab. It was, it was a, a, an obligation for me, and it just weighed me down consistently. Until you step back and say, well, why is it doing that? Why is that my approach? Why is that the thing that's going on? What is it that drives your relationship with Jesus? Is it fear? Is it fear that causes you to have a relationship with Jesus? Is it fear at the root of why you're here this morning? Maybe it's from childhood. Maybe you were forced to go to heaven's gates, hell's flames, or whatever it was. Maybe you were in the same auditorium I was. I don't know. My eyes were closed half the time. <laughs> I was terrified. You all could have been there. <laughs> You know, is it fear that is the driving force behind your relationship with God? Maybe it's from a church past. Maybe it's from pastors saying this, that, and the other and speaking like it's truth and it's just not. Is it from your family? What if you misstep? What if you question something? What if you step away from a belief that they hold dear? What if you change your theology? What if you change your perspective? What's going to happen? What's the, what's the shift in the family dynamic that could take place? Are they going to disown you? Are they going to kick you out? What if you decide you want to go to a different church than they go to? What's that going to do? Is it fear from that that's driving you? Is it from twisted theology that you've been taught or that you've experienced? And it's got you so afraid. It's incredible. Listen, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. It says, God has not given us a spirit of fear but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Guys, fear should have no place in your fellowship with Jesus. Fear should not be a driving force of why you follow Jesus. Fear shouldn't be part of the equation for you. Maybe it's not fear. Maybe it's guilt and shame, you know? I have this conversation all the time, and it literally drives me bananas. I have the conversation with people, and they say, man, we see what's happening at your church. We see what's happening in your faith community with all those people. That's awesome. I really wish I could go to church there. I'm like, well, come on with it. I'm like, oh, I can't. I have to go to my church. Uh, what? I mean, are, do you guys believe in Jesus? Yeah. Are you guys, like, chasing after Jesus? Yeah. Well, we are, too. Cool. 
Listen, I want to challenge each and every one of you in here this morning, okay? Please, don't ever, ever feel obligated to me or to these four walls to come to this church. There are 500 churches you can drive to, and if you can get fed better there, please go there. Because it's not about me and it's not about this building, it's about the body of Christ as a whole. And you shouldn't be tied into this church out of obligation, guilt, and shame. We can still be friends, y'all, okay? You can go somewhere else and we can still be friends. We can still hang out. Your kids can still hang out with my kids. That's cool, okay? But it's not about guilt, obligation, and shame. That should not be the driving force of why you go to church or where you go to church or your relationship with Jesus. Do you hear that? Because it drives me crazy when I talk to other people and they're stuck in a church that's not feeding them, that they're not growing in, that they're not feeling edified in, but they're there because of obligation and guilt and shame that's disguised as loyalty and honor. And that's a load of crap. It just is. And so what is it that's driving your relationship with Jesus? Is it the guilt and shame? Is it the, well, I feel obligated to my parents. I feel obligated to my pastor. I feel obligated to my family. Because that should not be the driving force of your relationship with Jesus. Romans chapter 8 verse 1 says there is no condemnation in Jesus. And this is so cool because this passage goes on to talk about the freedom and the liberation that we experience in relationship with Christ. It shouldn't be this thing that's just like weighing us down and bogging us down and we dread going somewhere on a Sunday morning. It shouldn't be that type of thing. There's freedom and liberty in our fellowship of Jesus. Guilt and shame should have no place in your fellowship of Jesus. Fear should have no place in your fellowship of Jesus. What is it that drives your relationship with Jesus? Is it the thought of impending doom? (laughs) I know that sounds kind of funny, but I mean, for real. Is it the thought of impending doom? Because are you just spending your life trying to avoid hell? Because as a kid, yo, that was my main thing. Like, yeah, Jesus in the eight, yeah, cool, whatever. I don't want to go to hell. Like, I don't want to do this for eternity, right? Because evidently that's what they do. I don't want to do that, you know? And so that was my driving force of why I followed Jesus. And I hear so often people like, oh, you know, just waiting for eternity, waiting to spend life with Jesus, hallelujah. This earth is not my home. Cannot wait. Citizen of heaven right here. Registered voter, amen, right? And so often that's our driving force of a relationship with Jesus, trying to avoid hell. We want fire insurance, right? We want all this different stuff. But listen, here's the deal. Matthew chapter 22, verse 36 through 40, the Pharisees, the religious leaders, the, 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 the pastors of the day, right? They get Jesus and they're like, yo, Jesus, what's the most important commandment? What's the most important thing? And you know what Jesus says? He says the most, absolutely the most important thing is to avoid hell. Make sure you get to heaven. No! I said that first service, and there was a dude sitting here who was like halfway paying attention. And when I said that, he goes, I was like, okay, you are listening. Dope. No, you know what he says? He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, your mind, all your strength. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. He says, the most important thing is to love God and love people. That should be the driving force of your relationship with Jesus. Not avoiding hell and avoiding punishment and avoiding separation from God. He says the most important thing is to love God and to love people. That's what should be driving you. Impending doom should have no place in your fellowship of Jesus. Fear should have no place in your fellowship of Jesus. Guilt and shame should have no place in your fellowship of Jesus. 
And so we use this series, stop going to church, tongue in cheek, be the church, I get it. Don't be a building, it's not a building, it's a body. Don't be a fan, be a follower, right? It shouldn't be a burden, it should be a blessing. Your relationship with Christ, your relationship with Jesus should be a blessing. Now, let me just give a little side caveat here. That doesn't mean that your life is going to be rainbows, butterflies, and unicorns, okay? It doesn't mean that all bad things are going to stop happening, you're going to get all the promotions in the world, and you're going to walk in on, be walking on sunshine the rest of your life, okay? That's not what I'm saying. Please don't get it twisted, okay? But what I am saying is when those things come, and your heart is in the right place, and your perspective is in the right place, you can see God working even in the darkest of dark. You can see God working in the toughest of times. You can see God working in the thickest, dirtiest mess that you find yourself in. You're not bogged down. You say, what's God doing in this and raising me up and doing through this? Does that make sense? It's a total shift in our perspective, a total shift in our mindset, a total shift in our heart space. And so if you're in here today and your relationship with Jesus is a burden, if you're in here today and your relationship with Jesus is a burden, whether it's because of fear or guilt or shame or impending doom or whatever it is. Maybe it's something I didn't even say, but your wheels are turning and you're thinking, yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. For me, it's this. Whatever that is, I want to encourage you, not with something cutesy and memorable that I came up with, not something that, you know, our staff put together so that you could remember. No, I want to encourage you simply with the words of Jesus. I want to encourage you with the words of Jesus. It says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus says, learn from me. Guys, I want to challenge and encourage you to learn from Jesus. Not the pastor you grew up with, not your granny who shaped most of your theology. Not even me. Don't learn from me. Learn from Jesus. I'm sharing with you what I've learned from Jesus, but it's okay for you to disagree with that. It's okay for you to question that and to challenge that, okay? I'm not some superhero. I'm a regular person just like you are, okay? You are called to learn from Jesus. I'm here to coach and encourage and come alongside and all of that. But he says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Learn from me. He is gentle and humble in heart. You know what that means? It means he's approachable. It means he's here, ready to meet you where you are. His arms are open, ready to embrace you ready to do life with you. He is gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your soul. You will find rest for your soul. So many of us are following Jesus with a tired soul, and we don't even know it. Religion's been a burden our entire life, but a relationship can be a freedom for you. He says his yoke is easy, and his burden is light feel like you got to jump through some hoops and do XYZ, PQR, subheading this, that, and the other to be in relationship with Jesus. Like there's this big list of requirements, rules, and regulations. Yo, he says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. He says, come
Come on with it. Come on with it. But your relationship with Christ should be a blessing, not a burden. And so what we want to do, the band's going to lead us in one more song this morning. And in that time, I want you to do some business with God personally, like for you. Don't be praying for someone else that you know. Oh, Sally, really need to hear this message today. Hallelujah. No, you needed to hear this message. You're here. Okay? You're here. God's got something for you this morning, right now. You're not here by accident. So I want you to take the next few minutes, and I want you to focus on yourself and say, God, what is it that's driving my relationship with you? Is it fear? Is it guilt? Is it shame? Is it manipulation? Is it, is it uh, you know, the fear of impending doom? Am I just here so I don't go to hell? Like, like what, what is it in me that's making this thing happen? And if it's not the right thing, God, will you shift that in me? change my heart? Will you change my mind? Will you change my perspective so that I can learn from you? So that I can have rest in my soul? So that I can experience freedom and the liberation that you have for me? It's a simple conversation, but it's a process that's going to have to work itself out. But that process can begin this morning, right now. So let's pray together. God, Thank you for listening to the Central Church Podcast. We hope this has encouraged you, inspired you, and you experience life change. If you are unable to attend our Sunday gatherings but still want to support this faith community, visit our giving page at centralchurch.cc. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes.